Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Cricket Ultras and joining me to talk about a wild and crazy weekend of cricket, Darren Burns. How are you? I'm fantastic, Arun. Just arrived back in Shanghai from a wonderful trip in Beijing, and I understand you've just landed in Hamilton, New Zealand, which is gorgeous. I landed in Auckland because I don't think there's an airport in Hamilton. Um, I could, <laughs> could be wrong, uh, but my, my, sure my, my research suggests... My research suggests that if there is an airport in Hamilton, it's not an international airport. Um, but yes, I'm in the land of the long white cloud, um, a country that has given a lot to the cricket world, Darren, let's not forget, mm. um, including including the captain of the losing team in this weekend's IPL final, Kane Williamson. What a player. Despite doing a sterling job, I thought, yeah, and really one of the players of the tournament, yeah. Um, and, and Kane Williamson can hold his head high. But before we get into the IPL final, before we went on air, you said that around those parts in Hamilton, you're the closest to a celebrity that anybody has ever seen, perhaps. Um, so bigger than <laughs> Kane Williamson, then, um, Mr. Sudama. I, 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 <laughs> Darren, you, you know me. I would never, never say such a thing. That's right. And I was... I'm sure our, our listeners by now know me well enough to know I would never engage in such hyperbole. Let's not forget that Daniel Vittori lives in Hamilton. He does too. And there's a couple of legends right there. You know, Dan, right. Dan, the student Vittori is a bigger celebrity than I'll ever be. Uh, Scott Styrus. Scotty Styrus. Another Hamiltonian. Yep. Yes. Well, you know, there's a lot of celebrities from around here. Yes. There, there are a lot of celebrities around there, but maybe not in your sector. Uh, anyway, I thought it was a great, anyway. you know, if we, if we can look at some of the highlights of the IPL this year, I mean, I think there were some real changes this year. Um, you know, of course, CSK coming back from a two-year hiatus was great to see them get up and win. And they kind of looked the team to beat the whole tournament, didn't they? Um, and really marshaled their troops very well. Of course, our friend Shane Watson scored 100 in the final. Um a lot of pressure on him, scored 100. He's probably secured his future in T20 circuit cricket for at least two or three years, you'd imagine. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's playing to a 40. Yeah, and, and he scored it on one leg, let's not forget. I mean, I, I suspect this is how you would like to play your cricket too, Darren. Just not have to bother with the fielding. Uh, yeah, I would <laughs> just come out and wallop the bowling. Yeah, I wish I could do that. Um, he, he was like the fifth leading batsman in the, in the tournament which was uh, great to see. And I, I think we've talked about it before, haven't we? Sort of the rise of, or sort of like the, the rising of the Phoenix and some of these older players really coming to the fore. Yeah, well, it was, yeah, that was CSK all over. Let's not forget also, Shane Watson was player of the tournament in the first IPL in 2008. And now he's man of the match in the 2018 final. That's pretty remarkable. It's pretty remarkable. And of course, Shane Watson is the only player to win two player of the tournaments, right? Um, the other person being Narine, who's re- really remade himself over the last couple of years as an all-rounder. You know, top of the order, smashes the ball all over the place, so pretty exciting. Yeah, he did very well. I think um, CSK, I know I, I, I kind of raised doubts about their age and their fitness, but, you know, they demonstrated really the value of experience. Uh, Dhoni, Watson, Faf Duplessis, um, Suresh Reiner, Ravindra Jadeja. Uh, you know, all, all players have been around the block, uh, really helped them. Dwayne Bravo, of course, as well. Harbhajan Singh. 
Uh, I think Dhoni actually deserves a lot of credit, despite being a wicketkeeper. Um, I'm not sure what Shane Warne makes of his captaincy. Uh, but he, he's so calm under pressure that, you know, I th- you know, that will transmit itself to the team, especially a team with so many experienced players in it. Um, so well done to CSK. Yeah, and they did, did well with the two opening bowlers, didn't they, too, with Chahar, who looks really great, and also Ngidi, the young fast bowler from South Africa. Those guys did really well, too. So, so that blend of real youth with some of the experience really turned out well for them. And I think they seem to have that spirit, and the, the crowd and the supporters seem to go with them everywhere, and they seem to almost have the most passionate supporters, um, even though they played most of the cricket away from home. Yeah, the, the support was good. I think the camaraderie was very clear. Yeah. I think again that's that's Dhoni and that's the older players on the team. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, there didn't seem to be these kind of personal agendas. Any of the issues we've seen on another team like your pick, Delhi Daredevils. Um, <laughs> they were and, robbed, you know, it, yeah, they were. And Ngidi was was superb, I thought. He just bowled brilliantly throughout the tournament. Um and they had just enough firepower, uh, CSK to get them through. You know, they had um Obviously, Shane Watson, Faf Duplessis, uh, and then you know players like Reiner and Downey Reiner. who mm-hmm. could come in and, and 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 do what was required. So, you know, it was a it was a tough loss, I guess. Um, yeah. For Sunrisers, I mean, you'd have to say uh, Sunrisers played out of their skins in the um, in the in the semi final, right, to get to the final. So, of course, Rashid Khan was amazing. I think thirty one with the bat off ten balls. I think he picked up three wickets and caused a run out, took a catch or two. Um, <clears throat> so just an, an absolute legend to sort of get them through to the final. But you always felt that CSK um, was going to be too strong in the final, just their all-round ability. Um, and much to your joy, I must say, being a Chennaian. Yeah, no, I, I, I certainly I've had some messages from, from some of my relatives, very happy. Um <laughs> I mean, I'm, I I wouldn't say, you know, I, I still have some questions about the ownership of CSK. I'm not a big fan of, of N. Srinivasan, who's their owner. Um, but, you know, the players deserve a lot of credit, I think. It's interesting because people, there was a lot of talk, there's been a lot of talk about Dhoni, you know, being past it. And yet, you know, he didn't, he didn't actually bat in the final, but he was seven runs off his IPL record for a single tournament. Um, That's incredible. So you know he's he's still very productive. His the strike rate is down, but you know it doesn't really matter because they won the tournament and he scored a lot of runs. He did. Yeah, they were awesome. Um, I think there was a lot of you know if we move on from the final, just to sort of reflect a little bit on the whole the whole season. Um, six weeks, there were a lot of close games. I, I think what we see are a couple of trends emerging, which I felt was really interesting. Um, if you look at the top, top top five bowlers and the, all the stats are in and finished right now, of course, four out of the top five bowlers are fast bowlers, which we haven't seen for quite a while. Yep. Um, of course, Andrew Ty taking out, I believe it's called the purple cap for the most wickets on yes, 24. Um, you had a few other bowlers in there. Um, I think we even have a Kiwi in there, um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, well, top six, Trent Bolt was the sixth. sixth. Yeah. Yeah. Bolt, so Rishi Khan was second. Um, Siddharth Kaur was good, although Siddharth Kaur was a bit expensive. Um, but I thought he was impressive. Umesh Yadav and Hardik Pandya, the all-rounder. So, again, medium-fast bowlers 
in the top six there, which was quite interesting. A big change. What I also found interesting is some of the players who broke out from the tournament. Yes. Um, who kind of have, have made themselves into bigger names. Uh, someone we've talked about before, um, the, uh, the Af- Afghani uh, spinner Mujib Ur-Rahman. Um, yes. Did very well. Uh, you know, despite being a spinner, he was, he was given the new ball. Of course, uh, his captain was R. Ashwin. And I'm not sure Ashwin covered himself with glory in terms of, 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 of captaincy. Yeah, a bit funky. Um, but, you know, he's a little bit. But, but, you know, he's still learning. I don't think he's ever really captained before. Um, yeah. D- Deepak Chahar, you mentioned. Um, Rishabh Pant, you know, had a glorious tournament. Not really a breakout, but you know he he was he was sensational. Um, Prithvi Shaw, another one, uh, batted really well. Uh, Lungi Ngiri, who we've talked about, um, and probably the other person, uh, K. Gautam, who, who also had a very good tournament. Like, he did cost a lot of money, um, but he kind of justified his. Yeah, price he was time. he was worthwhile. Um, the other thing I noticed a lot too was kind of how. The, the the hitting has increased a lot, the six hitting, right? So I think there was something like 170 more sixes hit this year than last year. Um, big hitting now. And I think everybody is hitting, even you, for example, Kane Williamson um, has transformed himself hitting sixes. I think I, I found an interesting stat yesterday and I came across it. And I think before this season, only one player had scored more than 30 sixes in a season, one Indian player. And that was Rat Kohli in 2016. But this year... There were four players from India. So Rishabh Pant, Rayudu, Lokesh Rahul, and MS Dhoni all, all getting over 36s in the tournament. So that's something that's really changed a lot. I mean, I think, I think the days of a prodding, poking kind of number three or four are gone. I think everybody needs to be able to clear the boundary now. I think that's a big takeaway from the season as well. You know, it's, it's so interesting because it wasn't that long ago when a lot of people were saying India doesn't have the big hitters. Yes. And I think we, we may have even discussed this way back on the first couple of episodes of Cricket Ultras um, and India's uh, T20 team in particular has suffered um, and, and that's kind of been why they, they keep on bringing back Yuvraj Singh um, but I think what we're seeing is the, the type of training that the batsmen do nowadays yes. in terms of practicing to clear the boundary yes. is, is, is really pioneering the, the kind of work they're doing not just the Indian batsmen all batsmen are doing it now and so you're seeing batsmen like, um, uh, you know, a Rayadu or a Rahul, yes. who were not really players you thought had the strength necessarily to clear the boundary on a regular basis. They they now have these techniques which enable them to clear the boundary without, you know, putting on a lot of muscle or bulk or anything like that. It's actually really interesting to watch. Well, I think they do do a lot of weight work as well. But they also do range hitting. So if you see a lot of the training now, they, they look at this range hitting. So they look at, you know, 50 meters, 60 meters, 70 meter, 80 meter, and work out how they're going to clear the boundaries. Also, I think what becomes more and more important is how people bowl on those grounds. Um, but, but, you know, having said that, I, I think when you do go to other countries where the boundaries are a lot bigger, I think they probably will struggle a bit there. So, so I'm kind of going back on my point already. I think maybe at the grounds like the MCG, you probably do need to have somebody that can get the twos as well as just hit the boundaries because the boundaries there are quite massive. You really need somebody who's hitting 70, 80 meter plus sixes all the time. Um, yeah. So that, that's interesting, huh? That's true. But, but on the, on the flip side, the MCG pitch is so dead that maybe, maybe that makes up for the, 
for the small boundaries. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is interesting to see the, the regularity um, with which players are clearing the boundary. It is, yeah, it is exciting. And, you know, overall, I'd say this was a, a, a good IPL. Yeah, if I'm quite fair, I think it's probably the best one I've, I've had the pleasure of watching. I mean, I, I watched quite a few of the games on TV late at night. And I, I think so many of them these days go down to the last over or two. So you're always kind of in the hunt, no matter where you are. And I think people don't really worry about wickets in hand anymore. They just go for it, right? So they, you know, even when it's seven or eight down, most people can bat a little bit, put bat on ball. So you never know what's going to happen. So which makes it great entertainment. And, you know, notwithstanding, obviously, the, the kind of the oldies at CSK, um, I think one of the nicest things with this tournament was watching some of these young players come through. Uh, Rashid Khan, of course, although I must say he looks older than 17. I don't want to cast any aspersions. I don't, I don't think Rashid Khan is 17. He's supposed to be 20, isn't he? Oh, is 21? he? Is he? I thought he was like 17. No, this is Lamishani, right? Oh, Lamishani. So actually, Lamishani was the next one I was going to mention. He he is 17, and he, he had... Um, a couple of gr- really good matches and some of the other Afghan players um, who, who are very young. Yeah, it's a bit surprising uh, Delhi impressed. didn't play more season. I think they only gave him like five games, um, which was quite surprising because as you, as you know, Delhi were very, very light on bowling, especially that when, you know, Rabada was ruled out and also Morris had to go home. So um, yeah, they could have done with him probably all season and probably a few more bowlers. Next year, Delhi, a few more bowlers. Yeah, Rashid Khan's 19. 19. I'm sorry, but he doesn't but yeah, I look agree. 19. He doesn't look 19. <laughs> yeah. We'll leave that one there, shall we? Um, yeah, we shall. Let it go through the keeper. <laughs> <laughs> but but with on, on, on that note, maybe we should talk about, uh, if we're done with the IPL. We sure are. Maybe we should talk about another stirring victory. Pakistan absolutely crushing England. In the first test at Lords, I mean, possibly, yeah. possibly the most abject English performance I've seen in a number of years. It's been coming for a while, uh, and the only thing you can really say is that at least Pakistan got a got a reasonably tough test against Ireland. I, I was going to say the same thing. I, I mean, I think that was a very close test. I think Ireland took them all away, um, so you probably weren't expecting them to to roll over like this, England, but. Maybe this is they've hit bottom now. They had a shocking tour to Australia and New Zealand. They didn't win a test. Um, they looked terrible here uh, in Lords. They, they had a shocking tour uh, to India. They didn't they had a win a test to India. there either. I mean, they, they were almost out, out England. Their bowlers were way better than the English bowlers uh, in these conditions. Um, I think Pakistan had definitely done their homework under Mickey Arthur. So he's actually finally got someone to do his homework. Um, and they bowled beautifully, right? They were up there or thereabouts bowling at the stumps, um, found their great, some great lengths, um, totally opposite to England. England, I think, were a bit wide, a bit, wide, a bit off the mark, um, didn't look great at all. I, I don't know if they can turn it around in a couple of days before Headingley. And by the way, they haven't, their record at Headingley is also pretty shocking. They've only won two and locked six of the last nine tests there. So that's not a good record. Yeah, I- I mean, how many times are England going to hit rock bottom? You know, we need to ask this question because it happens. It happens with regularity. I mean, I remember when, you know, when they were bowled out for 50-odd against the West Indies a few years ago. That was supposedly rock bottom. They did come back from that. They've won the Ashes and so on. Um, But this run they're on now is about as bad as we've seen 
and there's nothing to suggest they'll turn it around except for the fact that they are at home and they still have Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad. Um, but they were they were really poor at Lords. They, they bowled badly, as you said. Um, they, they batted really poorly. The batting was less of a surprise because I don't yeah. think we were expecting big things from this lineup. You know, Joe Root aside, doesn't look like there's anyone there who's who's going to score big runs. I mean, Milan didn't didn't impress. Stoneman has been dropped. Um, Cook, you know, did okay with a seventy, but you know, his, his dismissal in the second innings was was mediocre. Um, Besto, I thought, batted well. Uh, Stokes. Didn't you know? Did okay in the in the first innings. Don Bess actually batted well, uh, but didn't look yeah. like a spinner that would trouble the Pakistanis. Um, there's there's a lot of problems for England. But Joss Butler looked great. I thought in the second innings, right? You, you sort of left out Joss Butler there. I think he looked yeah. fantastic in the second Sorry. innings. Sorry, uh, he played a real batsman. But, Butler looked good. Mm. Butler looked good, but again, is he going to play a long Test knock? Um, because we've never seen him do it. I think he can. Um, uh, yeah, I think, I think he, he I, can, but I mean, I think you have him in the team. What else is there? And well, I thought... no, I, I don't think there are better <laughs> batsmen you would put in ahead of him. Well, why don't you, know, you open the batting he with has him to be in the team. and Cook? I mean, why the hell not? Um, Do you think Joss lose? Butler has the technique? I don't know. To open nobody said David Warner. In a test nobody match. said David Warner had the technique. They said he was a hacker. He couldn't make it at Test level, right? He was a T Twenty batsman. He played barely any first class cricket. Joss Butler has a good eye. He looks good. Why not give him a go? You know, you've got rid of Stoneman. You're bringing in, back in Keaton Jennings. Yeah, Keaton Jennings has been brought in. Um, but he's actually had, he's actually doing all right this season. He's in some form, Keaton Jennings. Um, but his his test record is not great. Um, I don't know what's happened to Hamid. He's, well, obviously he's been cast aside. And I think obviously he's not making any runs. He's, he doesn't seem to be in the conversation. So, you know, I mean, if you're not he making did runs. Look the part. Well, he looked okay, but he's not making runs. So you can't pick someone who's not making runs yeah. in the season, right? Um, a lot yeah, of questions. Think... A lot of questions for England. This is the first test match of the English summer in May. Mm. You know, the, the, the script for this is always some hapless team that England is going to play in early May because they won't get in, you know, they won't get the crowds in. And England will roll them over because the ball is swinging around so much. And as you said, England have been out Englanded in the mm. first Test match. Out Englanded by Pakistan. <laughs> yeah, if, yeah, exactly. If they can't win this Test, yeah, I mean, when they're playing in, in, in midsummer, it doesn't all go well, does it? You know, you'd, it doesn't all go well for England. They have real questions in the batting lineup, and for the first time, you you have to wonder. And I, I put this to you, Darren: Are you concerned about Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad? Yeah, look, I, I think. It was a very uninspired opening test from those two. I mean, they haven't had that much cricket. But, um, geez, if they, don't, if they don't play well in this next test in Headingley, you'd have to think they could be on the chopping block. Um, probably not Probably not Anderson so much, but perhaps Broad. I mean, he hasn't looked good for quite a while now. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this, the second test uh, when they were in New Zealand, I think that was in Hamilton too, wasn't it? Where you are. He bowled okay then, but I, I think, he's, yeah, it's a lot of question marks. But who do they bring in? I mean... They've, they've tried Wood. I, I think they'll bring back Chris Wokes um, in the next test, you'd think. Yeah, there's Wokes, there's Overton, um, Mark Wood. Yeah, Mark Wood didn't look too good either. 
Trevor Bayliss. I was going to say Trevor Bayliss. His interview. <laughs> did you watch his interview? Look, I think I, I can't imagine any job in the world where you could go to an interview and say things like, I don't know what we can do. We're being proactive. We're, we're giving them the right messages. I mean, if I, if I told that to my boss, I'd be fired. Yeah, I was shocked. I was honestly shocked. I mean, they asked him, should the batsman, or I can't remember what the question was, it was something like, should, the, should they be playing more one-day cricket, more county cricket, more test cricket, more 2020 cricket? And he said, I don't know. And he just yeah. looked like he didn't care. I mean, he really, it's just a lack of passion. I mean, I know yeah. we shouldn't read too much into these types of things, but I was really unimpressed by Trevor Bayliss. And, I, think, you know, I think he has a new name, Trevor Dunno Bayliss. Um, yeah. Maybe yeah, I mean, England right now needs a more proactive and aggressive coach. I mean, Bayliss is known to be sort of more, a more yeah. guy in the background and sort of you know, giving comments and, and not so aggressive. I, I think one of the reasons why Australia brought Langer in, because Langer is a much more proactive coach, I'd say. Um, so maybe they need a box around the ears, right? They don't need someone to say to them, you know, stay in, don't get out. They need someone to say, pull your bloody head in or you're out of the team. Um, so maybe they, they do need to have a bit of a shock. Well, yes, and I'd, I'd say that goes for Joe Root as well. I mean, he's he's the captain, right? And his captaincy record so far is Poor. is nothing to, nothing to write home about. And, and, you know, ultimately, I think the performance in the field is the responsibility of the captain, Um more than the coach and you know he's not getting results from the players so at some point questions are going to be asked about his captaincy yeah. unless there's a big improvement but Arun having having said that having said that I think England have become the Pakistan of, of international test cricket so as we know they can mm. easily turn us around next week with a stunning performance as they have done last summer you know they were beaten by South Africa they turned around they, they bounced back the next week and thrashed them similar with the West Indies. So let's not write them off yet. But but I, you'd have to say as a fan, you wouldn't be very happy. <laughs> I wouldn't write them off. I just think this kind of a performance yeah. at Lords in the first test of the summer is... Poor. It's kind of unacceptable, really. And um, let's not forget, this is not a Pakistan team that is bringing the heavy artillery, right? This is not... This is, you know... If Wasim and Wakar are kind of the heavy cannon, then you would say that uh, Hassan Ali and Muhammad Abbas are kind of like a super soaker. <laughs> um, it's, it's not really the same thing, is it? I mean, they bowled, they bowled very well, uh, but, you know... They... Yeah, I mean, I think, I think this team and the bowling lineup that they had, let's not write them off. Muhammad Amir is a really good bowler, uh, and they're really, really bowling well in English conditions. Um it's almost a second home, you'd have to say. Yeah, they, they did everything that was asked of them. But I think that England, you know, can get into the batting lineup if they, if they could swing the ball. I mean, Anderson and Broad couldn't get the ball to swing at Lords. Yes. Um, which, which is worrying. But yeah, this is not a, a Pakistan team that's played a lot of cricket in England. It's not played a lot of test cricket. Uh, they're missing um, Yasir Shah, their top leg spinner. Okay, Mohammed Amir is there, and he's he's a brilliant bowler, and he would he would get into any Pakistan team, no question. Yes. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of batsmen there who are kind of untested. Um, that, that, you know, their top two batsmen of the last decade have both retired. Um, this is not a team that should be causing England as many problems as they did at Lords. 
I, I think I think you're being too harsh. Maybe, but I think if look if Pakistan continue to play this well and England don't turn it around, Pakistan will win the, the next Test match. I think so because um, they're only you know they they they've got the confidence now. Yes, and I think Mickey Arthur deserves a lot of credit. You know, this is a coach who um, has tried with varying <laughs> degrees of success to change the culture of every team he's been involved in. You know, that's kind yes. of been his mantra, correct? Yeah, exactly. Um, it hasn't worked for him at previous postings, most notably at Australia, where they decided that they'd get rid of him rather than change the culture. A decision in hindsight, which doesn't look so smart. Yes, um, but he's, absolutely. You know, he's got rid of some Pakistan players, Wahab Riaz in particular, because he wasn't training hard enough. There are yeah. some like quite strict standards now around the fitness of the Pakistan team for the first time in a long time. And the fielding looks amazing, I must say. The fielding was really, really, really good. It was. Yeah, it's a, it's a younger team and maybe it's paying off. You know, so I, I, I'm happy for Mickey Arthur, definitely. Um, I like the look of Shadab Khan. I thought he was, he bowled pretty well, I thought. Yes. Um, and yeah, the seam bowlers... You know, Mohamed Amir, of course, is, is a brilliant bowler. Uh, and, and, and the two others, Abbas and Ali, did well. And, you know, let's not forget Pakistan, you know, that uh, Baba Azam got injured in the middle of the match. And he played with 10 players for half of the match. So it's, it's a famous victory for Pakistan. I don't, I don't want to take anything away from them. I really don't. But um, I think English fans should be asking a lot of questions about this team. I just think there are a lot of people in and around that English setup, whether on the field or off the field, who are getting away with a very poor job at the moment. Yeah. I, I think that they're a bit of a tough spot though. I mean, I'm not sure who they bring in. You know, I was reading an article the other day about David David Milan. I didn't know that, that he plays in second division. Um, and apparently when, you know, some of the commentators were talking to him and apparently when he comes into bat, in second division, they call, they call him a walking wicket. They reckon he's pretty easy to get out, and he's in a national team. Although he did really well in Australia, I thought, and also New Zealand. Um, so surprising. I think there's not yeah, a lot of did. respect around there for that top order of England at the moment. I mean, if you take out Johnny Bairstow, perhaps, and Joe Root, um, perhaps Joss Butler, but the rest of them are sort of don't really have much much cachet at the moment. Yeah, um, you know, I'd, I'd put Ben Stokes in there. Um, you know, he's, he's still got... The capability to turn a match. Um, Alistair Cook is, you know, he's he's held on to his place with his seventy. Yeah. Um, but he's still in the middle of a pretty bad run. And perhaps the biggest concern of all, Darren, is Joe Root's form. Mm. He hasn't scored a hundred for a while, has I he? I mean, this this is a he hasn't. This is a player who is scoring centuries for fun, mm. especially at home. Uh, and if he's not scoring centuries and you just wonder where the runs are coming from yeah it's a big concern but as you've kind of as you kind of mentioned it's not like there's a lot of players queuing up you know if you look at the great teams of the past you know the australia team of the last decade where you you, you know someone like michael hussey couldn't even get in the team until he was 30 or 31 and then he blitzed it i mean they had these people banging at the door um and they came into the team and did well we just don't have that right now with the english team or the australian team for that matter where you have people waiting in the wings who are just banging the door down. You don't have them at the moment. That's a real concern for Test cricket. Yeah, I mean, well, well, the question is, is it that the 
players are not banging the doors down or is it that they're not being showcased properly? I mean, one of the big concerns for English cricket is that the county championship has been so devalued. Mm. You know, it's it's kind of played at the beginning of the season where it's hard for batsmen to get runs and at the end of the season where it's almost viewed like the runs don't matter. And in the middle of the season, it's all 2020 and limited overs cricket. So... Yeah. It's very difficult for a batsman to make their case under those conditions. Yeah, I mean, is it is it a bit is it a bit where it's going the way of the long read and, and people are bringing kind of a social media mindset to batting? I mean, they can't they're not patient anymore. They're not patient and willing to fight through and bat long innings. They kind of lose interest after you know a couple of balls if they're not getting any runs on the board. Maybe we're seeing that as well. Well, yeah, yes and no. I mean, I think. Look, you can always make it's that Bob Willis case, isn't it? You know, where are the batsmen who can bat for an hour and score ten runs or whatever? And you know, I certainly think there is there is value to batting time, right? But you have to accept also the game has changed, and attack is a great form of defence. Um, if 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 you can go out there like a Virendra Sehwag um, or a David Warner uh, and score quickly. That's not necessarily a bad thing in a test match, right? So I, I, I don't necessarily buy this view. I think you also have to go through periods and just work out how to survive. And I think if you, a great, a great, you know, a guy comes to my mind very, straight away is Dean Elgar. I mean, Dean, Dean Elgar is not a very pretty batsman, but he does a job. He really fights for his wicket and gets through some difficult periods um, with the new ball. And sometimes you can't go out there and slash the new ball. You're going to get pinned down or you're going to have to get through tough periods of play when somebody gets fired up. And I think you need to have players that can you know, either counter-attack or can nut it out for a while. Um, and, and I think England has many of those players at the moment. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you could say the same about Virat Kohli, perhaps. You know, the, the way he's been batting on the South Africa tour, um, there was just a kind of intent to stay in and do whatever it took, yeah. build the innings. Um, you don't see a lot of that. I think the issue really is that the way that English cricket is structured at the moment, it's very clear that, T20 and limited overs is incentivized and it's kind of ironic in a way because when you read the English media you you could be forgiven for thinking that the IPL is the root of all evils in the game um <laughs> and yet uh and yet you know their own co competition it's not really prioritizing batsmen it's not giving them a platform or 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 a showcase for um long form cricket really and you, there's just so few batsmen who you think have got the credentials to succeed at test level at the moment. Dark days for English cricket. But having said that, they might bounce back next week. <laughs> and then what we talk about will be deemed totally worthless. It's, it's very, I mean, it's, it's, it's very hard. Well, first of all, I'd say that if, if what we're, whatever we talk about, um, it's, it's probably often deemed quite worthless. <laughs> but, uh, uh, so that, that would be nothing new. Um, it's very hard to think, to imagine England could play any worse. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there were so few positives from the Lord's yeah. Test match. Uh, and you just think for them as professional cricketers, uh, they, they, they must do better at Headingley. It's hard, hard to imagine them doing worse. Really. That sounds like a quote from the, the coach, Trevor Bayless. They've got to do better. I don't know what's going wrong. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going wrong. Speaking about going wrong, what about this Al Jazeera report? What do you make of this accusation of match fixing? Yeah, interesting one. I mean, I am 
As a journalist, I am always minded to believe that where there is smoke, there is some some sort of flammable mm. substance, let's say, if not fire. <laughs> um, but, but it does look like there was only one source for this story, which makes me a little bit dubious. Um, the one thing I'll say is just because it's been denied, uh, that means nothing to me. No, of course really. not. Um, I, I don't believe denials. Uh, I, what I do think is that it does sound a little far-fetched. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think... You know, the fact that there's multiple players involved, that always seems a l- strange to me. Yeah. And, and just some of the, you know, some of the interviews, I, I saw some of it, and, you know, how would they know which two batsmen would be at the, in the end of the day in the last session? It seems a bit far-fetched to me. Also, it, it's kind of wishful thinking, and, you, and you'd hope that they could actually do it where you could guarantee that an Australian pair could bat for 10 overs without getting out in India. I mean, if they could do that <laughs> and control, um, then that's a goldmine, right? They'd be doing it all the time. If somebody could just tell them, don't get out for the next 10 overs, great. Um, and the evidence they gave was that yeah. the two batsmen seemed especially cautious. Well, they were trying not to get out on a turning deck. <laughs> I mean, you do bat pretty yeah. cautiously in yeah. India towards the end of the day. So to me, I-, I could be proved wrong. There's one source, as you mentioned, it just looks a bit. It looks a bit dodgy to me, but there could be something there. Yeah, but I think um, these stories are useful in a way, even if they're untrue. And you know, I, I'm not defending false journalism by any means. Um, they didn't name the players, sure. so no one's reputation sure. has been besmirched. Um, but these stories are useful just to ensure that we're aware of the threat. Yeah. We should never get complacent, I feel. And I think there is a little bit of complacency around spot fixing and match fixing. Um, mm. You know, there's a lot of meaningless cricket and yeah. there's a lot of players who aren't played that, paid that well. Yes. Uh, and, and there's a lot of bookmakers and we just need to, so these stories are helpful, I think, just in terms of, of reminding us that, um, Exactly, exactly, to be vigilant. I think we, we can get back into that next time. So I'm sure next time we'll have more detail as it unfolds. But I, I think you, you made a point before we went on air, which I thought was quite good, is that, you know, we, we, we should sort of shouldn't poo-poo these too quickly because, you know, when Hansi Cronier came into the, to the, to the headlines years ago, people, you know, couldn't believe that he would be involved in match fixing, but he was. Um, and I still remember the press conference where he actually read that statement and people were just in shock and like, I still got goosebumps now thinking about it where he actually detailed what he did um, to cheat. Um, yeah, so we shouldn't sort of write it off, should we? We should sort of keep, our, keep an open mind. And I also said to you that everybody could believe David Warner when David Warner was involved in tampering with the ball. Nobody had any compassion for him because they thought he might do something like that. And I guess similar for Mark War and Shane Warne who were kind of renowned gamblers. Um, or at least they, they like to have a bet on horses. So people weren't surprised that maybe they were sort of some, somehow involved with um, giving some information to a bookkeeper, a bookmaker even, not a bookkeeper. <laughs> it's, interesting. it's interesting how reactions kind of depend on, on the player involved. Hansi Cronje was kind of a poster child for, for the new South Africa. Yeah. He had a lot of the nation's hopes invested mm-hmm. in him. Rest in peace, of course. Um, his fall was spectacular. Yeah, it was. And and he kind of he he kind of took cricket down with him. But I'll never forget 
um, South African journalists the the kind of level of vitriol with which the reports were met. Yeah. Um, and 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 the kind of instant rebuttals that this couldn't possibly be true. It must be yeah. corruption in the Indian police force and this and that and the other. Of course, there is a lot of corruption in in India. Let's let's not pretend otherwise. Um, then he owned up. Could, yeah, as you said, David Warner and people had no trouble believing these things were true for him. Shane Warne and Mark War. I always felt the big issue there was just the lack of a penalty. Mm. They kind of got off very easily, didn't they, uh, in hindsight? Yeah. And whatever happened to Chris Cairns? I know there was a, there's a law case going on. For well, he years. won his case. He, he won his yeah, case, he did. didn't he? Uh, I don't remember. You see? It seems gone yeah, forever. He, he just won it. Just <laughs> he he just won it recently. It, it did go on forever. He he fought for many years to clear his name, um, yeah. and and he won his case. Just uh, I think it was just earlier this year. He was a winner in the end. Well, um, does anyone really win? I mean, he had his reputation essentially, you know, dragged through the gutter. Yeah, for, he did for the the best part the best part of a of a decade, uh, and now he is. Um, I think pretty much penniless from what I understand. Mm, poor guy. So did he win? Yeah, he didn't win at all. Who knows? Um, on that positive note. Yeah. Well, there's so many we could talk about, right? Muhammad Azaruddin, uh, he was the really the fall guy in India. You know, my, my favorite batsman for a very long time. Oh, me too. When I was growing up in Australia, it was one of my favorite batsmen. <sighs> um, it wasn't Greg Chappell. It was Greg Chappell and Muhammad Azaruddin. Those wrists, well, man. both of them, such such yeah, such elegant batsmen, both of them. Good taste in batsmen, Darren. Um, two of my favourites <laughs> as well. Uh, what a player! I loved Mohammad Azadeddin. Uh, Me too. And and you know his now what an ignominious exit from the game. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, banned for life. So you, you just never know, Rune. That's the uh, moral of the story for today, isn't it? You just never know. Well. The thing is, for every Azadeddin, I, I firmly believe there were probably five other players involved in it as well. Absolutely. You know, he, t- he took the fall. Uh, and you saw that, I mean, even with Hansi Kronje, you saw that to an extent, right? So uh, these, these issues, are, I think, are, you hope they're not systemic. Um, mm. But the risk is that they do involve more than um, just the tip of the iceberg that we see in the media. Tip of the spear. Yep. Yeah. That's true. All right. Well, that was a lot this week. Yeah. I mean, it's been, it's been, the cricket world has roared back into life. Um, <laughs> it seemed like there was a week, uh, a couple of weeks back, where it was very quiet, but it's come roaring back, as you said. It's, um, and there's a lot going on. It has. And, and I'll be canvassing opinion <laughs> here in, in, in Hamilton, New Zealand. Um, yeah. may, maybe I'll, I'll bump into to Daniel Vittori. Maybe you will. Street, and I can, I can... I'm sure the friend you're meeting in the bar later will probably know him. Give him a call on the phone. Maybe even the, even the barkeep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll ask around. I'll ask around, see if I can get some, some feedback yeah. on, uh, on Cricket mm-hmm. Ultras from, from our loyal fans. Maybe you can play this episode over the PA in the bar. <clears throat> yeah, we, we haven't really insulted. You know, we didn't mention the small grounds in New Zealand. Uh the fact that we didn't know who Ish Sodhi was. Um, I knew who he the, was, you uh, didn't. The, 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 yeah, I, I didn't. The, the New Zealand players who blindly follow Brendan McCullum around <laughs> everywhere. Um, I, th- I think we did the really al- well on this show. The, so. the alpha male. Um, okay. <laughs> right. Excellent. Well, anyway, thank you, Darren, as always. Um, 
Thank you, listeners. We'll be back soon.